If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. They will be looking at verses 1 through 16. Starting back on our study, who we are, who we are, who we are as a church, as a family of God. And we've been looking at our core values, those values that drive us, that uh, propel us to do the things that we do. And we're looking today at our next core value, genuine community, genuine community. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Well, Matthew realized that something was wrong when he found out about his grandmother's, great-grandmother's death via a Facebook post by his uncle. He knew something was wrong. He, he felt kind of, of, of strange that his family, the rest of his family, did not seem, see it fit to communicate such news to him in the usual way via a phone call. Now, Matthew was a professed Facebook addict, but even with such information, his family thought the best way to communicate that to him was through a Facebook post. He knew things were wrong when his sister felt the best way to uh, confront him about a concern that she had was by a, a Facebook message using emoticons to communicate her feelings. He realized at that point he had a serious problem. He was addicted to Facebook and he needed to take steps, measures to fix the problem. And so he backed away from Facebook altogether. Now, we see this in our society, don't we? Uh, we see this, in fact, uh, I looked, at, looked up and saw one report that showed that eight out of ten, eight out of the top ten most downloaded apps for your little smartphones are social media apps. Facebook, uh, Instagram, and the likes. Eight out of ten of the most popular apps are social media apps. We desire connection. Go to a restaurant. I'll challenge you to do this. Go to a restaurant and just sit there sometimes. Take your seat and just begin to look around the room and see if you might see this occasionally. I've been in a restaurant before sitting there watching the people around me and every table Every table that you had two or more people sitting at, uh, everyone around the table were on their phones doing this number, right? You've seen it. You're guilty of it, probably. I've been guilty of it. We have a desire to be connected. And so that's why the marketers they, they're, and the business gurus, the technology gurus, they're, they're taking advantage of that with all these social media apps. And, and these social media apps, they promise us connection. They promise that we can be connected. And we're constantly connected today. Especially the millennials and younger, you're constantly connected. You always are connected with people around you. Yet, here's the problem. Though these things, though the social media apps promise us connection, what do they do? They typically 
break our connection. Yes, we're connected to technology. We may be in some way, uh, somehow connected to people around the world, but we can't connect to people right in front of us. We can't put down our phones long enough to carry a conversation with the person across the table from us because we're busy finding out what's going on in the, with that person in New York or Seattle or wherever. The things that this world promises us to connect us actually disconnect us. But we as a species, we desire connection. We hunger for connection. We want to be connected with other people. In fact, God created us to be connected. When God created man, Adam, he looked at Adam and everything else in creation, he said it was good. But when he created Adam, he said something's wrong. It's not good for man to be alone. Adam was alone in the world, and he needed companionship. He needed connection. And so Adam made Eve so that Adam would have someone to connect to, a relationship to build upon. Oh, he had a connection with God, but he needed someone uh, of his own species, someone like himself to connect to. We, by our very nature, we desire connection. But now the problem with all of this is that even when we, as we desire connection, as God created us for connection, well, then sin came into the world. Adam and Eve decided they were going to disobey God. And they were going to do things their own way. So when they disobeyed God, what happened? They disconnected from God. Their relationship with God was broken at that point in time. And because their relationship with God was broken, now their relationship suffered brokenness. In Genesis chapter 3, God says to Adam and Eve, or he says to Eve, your desire shall be your, for your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, what that phrase is saying, we don't have time to break it all down, but what that phrase is getting at is that now this unity, this, this relationship, this connection that Adam and Eve had before sin entered into the world, now that connection has been broken. Now there, there's conflict that enters in. She desires her husband. She desires to rule over her husband, but now her husband's going to rule over her. There's this conflict. That's th there's this, this break in that connection that they had. And ever since that break in connection, we've been hungering, desiring for connection again and by God's grace he has provided a way that we can reestablish the connection that we so long for and the greatest place that that connection takes place besides marriage is in the church it's in the church we, God has redeemed us through Christ Jesus. He has redeemed us. He has reestablished our relationship with God, but he has also reestablished our relationship with one another so that when we come together as a community of God in his church, as his church, we can have that connection with others even here. So we value, we value genuine community in the church where we can connect with others. 
And so we believe, this is our core value, we believe the gospel brings the lost back into a relationship with God and others and so desire to live in genuine community with one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, and encouraging one another as we grow in the faith with one another. Let me read that again. We believe, at First Bastrop, we believe the gospel brings the lost back into a relationship with God and others and so desire to live in genuine community with one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, and encouraging one another as we grow in the faith, in our faith in Jesus Christ, with one another. So we value genuine community. And today I want us to, to see what genuine community really looks like and pursue genuine community. Pursue genuine community over all other substitutes that this world has to offer. Over Facebook, over Instagram, over all of those things. So today in our text, we're going to see four attributes of genuine community. Four attributes of genuine community. Before I read our text, let me just uh, let you know where we are in Ephesians because we're picking up right in the middle here. Uh, Paul, in, verses, or in chapters 1 through 3, Paul has, has worked out the gospel, right? He has worked out the gospel. He's laid the foundation. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, in which we all once lived, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God has made us alive in Christ Jesus, he has made us alive through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ died in our place to save us. And because of Christ's death and resurrection, now God has made us alive. He has given us new life in Jesus Christ. Now we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us, changing us, making all things new. And now we get to chapter 4, and he says, Therefore... Because of what God has done for you, because of the work of God in your life, therefore, now you live like this. And so we pick up there in chapter 4, verse 1. If you found your place there, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. I, therefore, a prisoner... For the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, 
that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wave and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray you write its eternal truth on all our hearts this morning. Oh Lord, teach us about genuine community. May we pursue genuine community over all the other substitutes that this world throws at us. Oh, let us grow in your grace. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Four attributes of genuine Christian community. Four attributes of genuine Christian community. The first attribute of genuine Christian community is that genuine a Christian community is marked by genuine love for one another. Genuine community is marked by genuine love for one another. Uh, now, we have in our life, in our world, we have kind of a, a, a misconception about love. I mean, we just have that one word, love, and we throw it around kind of flippantly. I was reminded of the, of the old Tom T. Hall song, and you old-timers will remember this one. I love little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, slow-moving trains, and rain. I love little country streams, uh, sleep without dreams, Sunday school in May, and hey, and I love you too. Right? Uh, we love all of these things. We love pickup trucks. We love ducks. We love, we love hunting. We love fishing. We love uh, the grass in May. We really love all of these things. And we love you too, baby. Right? We just throw love around. We, it's so flippant. We don't really know what love is. Right? We, we use love in, in, in such flippant manner. But, but true love, genuine love, is, is love from the heart. It's a love that connects. Let's see what Paul says about genuine love. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Work as, as genuine Christians seeking Christ with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Genuine love, we, we see here, genuine love is a confronting love. Genuine love is a confronting love. Right? It, it, it's not this kind of little, little fuzzy feeling type of, of thing. It, it's not about feelings. It, it's a commitment. And a genuine love is able to confront error. It's able to confront bad behavior. 
If you don't have someone who, who loves you enough to confront you when you're doing wrong, then that person doesn't truly love you. Genuine love is a confronting love, and we see it in the text. Paul says, look what he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, humility and gentleness with patience indicates that there's some conflict here, right? There's, there, there, this is the kind of love that kind of, it, it goes in there. It confronts things. It opens the door for conflict to come in. And so we've got to confront things. And notice how Paul says we have to confront things with humility, number one. As we love one another and as we confront one another when we're messing up, right? We don't just do it. Uh, hey, I saw what you were doing. You need to stop that, right? That's not the attitude, but it's a, 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 an attitude of humility, understanding that, hey, we could be doing that same thing. It's an attitude, uh, an understanding that, that we are no better off. Maybe our loved one, they've got their own sin, but hey, we've got ours, right? We've got things in our own life that need to be confronted. We've got things in our own life to, that needs to be changed. So we're not chasing after somebody sitting on our high horse, but we're, we're confronting in humility, knowing that we are no better off. We're sinners just like our brother and sister is. We just want to help them. We just want to encourage them. We just want to lift them up. And you confront with gentleness. This is not harsh. Hey, you know, we'll get harsh with our kids sometimes. Stop that. Quit hitting your brother. Right? But in the Christian community with genuine love, that's not a harsh thing. It's, I love you. I see this in your life. And I'm afraid where it's going. Will you let me help you kind of change this? It's a confronting love. It, it's able to, to address those issues, but it does it with humility and gentleness, bearing one another in love. So it's a, a confronting love, but it's also an enduring love. It's an enduring love. Notice, he, he says, with patience. With patience. Notice that you know, we grow at different levels. We grow at different rates. That means, especially as a new believer comes in, into the community, a new believer's not going to do everything. He, he's not going to act like that guy who's, who's been a Christian for 40 years and been living the life for 40 years. Their life are going to look different. And, and that young Christian's going to have a lot of struggles that they're fighting through and working through. And, and so it takes patience to say, hey, I see what you're going through. Let me pull you along and let you help you grow at your own rate. We, we don't need to get impatient and say, oh no, you're just not coming along fast enough. You just get out of here, right? But true love, genuine love, it's enduring. It helps people through their struggles. It helps brothers and sisters in Christ through their struggles. You bear the burden, right? You bear one another. That's, that's laborious. 
That's, that's putting someone up on your shoulder. Helping them through the fight. Genuine community is marked by genuine love. I have a good friend of mine. Now, I, I only have like three really good friends, really close friends. I, I'm an introvert, so I have a lot of friends, but I have this, just a few really close friends that, that we can just say whatever we want to with one another, and it's no big deal, right? One of those is a guy by the name of Tony Barris. Tony and I, we met in the Marine Corps. We were, we were in uh, Motor T school together, and uh, we were absolutely different. Tony is a Yankee from Illinois. I'm a uh, redneck from Arkansas, but we, and we met in California, right? Camp Pendleton. And uh, absolutely different, but hey, we had, both had a love for 80s rock. <laughs> and so we connected. We connected, and we got to know each other, and, and we became best friends. I mean, there, especially in school, you, you, we, didn't, we never went anywhere without the other. I mean, we were just connected. We were close, and, and we had that kind of bond where if I see him, saw him messing up, I, I, hey, Tony, man, come on. What's up with that? And he did the same thing to me. I mean, we would fuss and fight one another, and, and then we would go, you know, have fun together. Now, we had that kind of a relationship, and, and even today, we don't keep in touch as, as we probably ought to. If he walked in the door today, we could pick right up where we left off, and, and we could confront one another. We could tell one another, hey, you're messing up. And we have several times. We have, he and I both have confronted the other when we've been messing up. Hey, you're messing up. You need to straighten up. But we've been patient and loving with one another as well. And that's the kind of relationship that we ought to be able to find here in the church. Even more so in the church. As we come together in genuine community. Genuine community is marked by genuine love. And this is the kind of, of honest relationship we all long for. We all long for this kind of relationship. And it's what we should find in the church. So, genuine community is marked by genuine love for others. Second, genuine community is marked by genuine unity of the Spirit. Genuine unity of the Spirit. Notice what he says here uh, going on there. Eager to maintain, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he goes on to explain that in the next few verses. There is one body, one spirit, right? We are all part of the same body, the church. And there's one spirit in all of us. We all share the one spirit, the spirit of, of Christ, the Holy Spirit. The same spirit lives in each and every one of us. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, we have one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We're all part of the same family. We are united in one family. Now we understand that as he says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, that we, we see that within the body, within the church, there is diversity in the members. There's diversity in the members. Uh, that's why he says eager to maintain the unity. 
Because there's diversity. There's differences. And so when there's differences, there's always room for conflict, isn't it? Right? There's always room for conflict. Now, we're grateful that there is diversity because if we were all Richards, it would get kind of boring in here. Right? If we were all the same, it would get kind of bland. If you have, if you're making a pie and you don't put in the salt, if you don't put in different ingredients, right? You just put in flour and water, it's pretty bland. You've got to have the different seasonings in there to make it good. Any kind of food, you have to have different seasoning in there to make it good. That's the way it is with us. Thank God we're diverse. Thank God we're different. We all bring different, uh, different gifts and, and, and different ideas and, and different ways of living to the table. We're diverse, but when diversity comes in, there's always that room for conflict because you have it this way. You think we should go this direction. This person thinks we go that direction, and someone else thinks we ought to go this other direction. And, and so we have all of these different ideas coming together. And so there is, there's room for conflict, especially in our following world. But even as we come with our differences. We've got to come in eager to maintain unity because we are unified in Christ. We are unified. Even with all of our diversity, we are unified. We have one Spirit. The same Spirit that lives within me lives in you, Christian. It's not different spirits, right? It's the one God, one Spirit who lives in us, and He is uniting us together. So we have to, to build on that. We have to be eager to maintain that bond, even when conflict does enter in. It's okay that we fuss and fight every now and then. That's human. But we can't allow those fusses, those bickerings, those little fusses and fights to, to go too far that it breaks our community together, our communion together. Think about it like this, a family. There's a common bond in a family, right? A family is flesh and blood. There's nothing thicker than blood, right? The family is that flesh and blood, and there's a bond that is there. Unfortunately, today, many families break, but, but the hope is that the family bond will be the most permanent bond. We're connected. Well, greater than flesh and blood is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God unites us together. And so, genuine community, genuine community is, has genuine unity in the Spirit. You remember this hymn? And if you do, sing along with me. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirit with the Spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Genuine community is unified in the Spirit. Third, genuine community is marked by genuine, genuine mutual service. Genuine community is marked by genuine mutual service. Uh, look what Paul says there as he continues on in verse 8, or 7 rather. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. He's quoting Psalm 68, 18 there. And saying he ascended, he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Now, now Paul's talking about Christ stepping out of glory. He descended to the earth. He came here and he dwelt among us. We saw his glory. We beheld his glory as the only glory of the Son from the Father. Jesus Christ descended to earth. He lived a life in perfect uh, obedience to the Father's will. And then he went to Calvary's cross. He died on the cross for our sins in our place. And then look what he says there. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So Christ died for our sins, and then he ascended. He arose again, and he ascended on high, higher than all the heavens. In other words, he was exalted to the supreme place of power. He is king of kings and lord of lords, and he reigns over all of creation. He ascended on high. And as he was raised again, as he ascended on high, Jesus inaugurated the new heavens and the new earth. God's kingdom has already come. The kingdom that we look forward to when this world is over with, the kingdom that God will establish when Christ returns, it's already begun. It's already started. It started when Jesus was raised again and he sent his spirit to live in us and to begin to change us into the image and likeness of Christ. We are already beginning to be renewed. We're already beginning to be made new in Christ. And so he says there, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up of the body of Christ. So he, as he was raised again, as he sent the Spirit to live in us, he gave us gifts. Part of that renewal, part of that making us new, is that he gave us spiritual gifts. He gave us spiritual gifts, and he gave us different gifts, right? He gave us individual gifts. We were getting individual gifts. So notice he says, there's prophets, there's apostles, there's preachers and teachers. Here I am, I'm the preacher. I have the gift of preaching and teaching. Shepherd teacher. That's my major gift. That's what God has gifted me in. And so I stand here and I use my gift week after week after week for your benefit. Marybeth has the gift of hospitality. And so when you come into our home, she makes everything. She makes sure you're comfortable. She makes sure you feel welcome. And when you come into the church, she's one of the ones that helps you feel comfortable and welcome because she has that gift. She wants people to feel welcome. There's people who have the gift of prayer. And so they meet regularly and pray together for the church. And they, they continue to move the church through their prayer. There's those like Robert Sanders who have the, the gift of evangelism and, and they go out and, and they have a heart to share the, the, the story of Christ with others. And so we all have individual gifts. But even as we have individual gifts, we are mutually dependent upon one another. 
We are mutually dependent upon one another. Uh, I don't have the gift of hospitality like Mary Beth does. I depend upon her to use her hospitality for my benefit, for my growth. Each one of you who are members of the church, each one of you who are Christians, have different gifts. Whatever those gifts may be, you have a gift from God. Not just one, usually multiple gifts, three or four, that really will stand out. And God has equipped you to use those gifts here. Not all can be preachers. Not all can be prayer warriors. Not all can be evangelists. Not all can be hostess. But we need all of those gifts coming together to work and function together. Paul uses the analogy of a body. Here, we, here I have a human body and I have a, a right hand and a left hand. I have eyeballs and ears and all of these different parts of the body. Now what would the body be, he says in 1 Corinthians, if, if the body was just eyeballs? Right? If the body was just a big old eyeball, where would the sense of hearing be? If all, if all were ears, where would the sense of taste be? Right? I have all of these parts, all of these members in the body that, that depend on one another to function. And so we need, in the body of Christ, in the church, we need all members to come together to function properly so that we might grow together in Christ. Take, for instance, Again, we just kind of finished up the football season, so here's another football analogy. There was a quarterback one time that, uh, that thought he was, you know, God's gift to football. And so he got, got pretty cocky about his abilities as a quarterback, and, and, and he began to get hard and heavy on the linemen and the other people on the team, and, oh, I, I don't even need you guys. I'm doing all the work, and, and he just... He laid it all out there for them and told them how good he was. Well, the linemen finally got enough of it. So the linemen, they talked to one another, and then in came a pass play. So when the quarterback got down behind the center, down said Hut, he dropped back to make the pass, and all the linemen, they just kind of stood up. There went the, defense, the defending lineman, and they crushed the quarterback. I mean, just annihilated him. They got back into the huddle. The quarterback looked at his lineman and said, God, what, what went wrong? What are you doing? They looked at him and said, I thought you didn't need us. Right? You could do it all on your own. See, that's how it is in the church. One man can't do it on the football field, and one man can't do it in the church. We're a body. God has given us multiple gifts, many members with different and diverse gifts, all to be used together for the benefit of the whole body. And I can't do it without my prayer warriors. I can't stand up here week after week without my prayer warriors. We can't function without our evangelists. We can't function without those who are generous. We need all the members working together. And if you're a member and you're not involved in using your gifts, 
You're hurting us. You're hurting us. We're not functioning to our full capability because you're sitting on the bench. You need to get in the game. Genuine community is marked by genuine mutual service to one another. So genuine community is marked by genuine love, genuine unity, genuine mutual service. And finally, genuine Christian community is marked by genuine Christian growth. Genuine Christian community is marked by genuine Christian growth. Notice what he says there in, starting in verse 13. Until you, they equip the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, by, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way, and to him who is the head, and to Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together and every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that, it, so that it builds itself up in love. Genuine community is marked by genuine Christian growth. Growth, first of all, in knowledge. Growth and knowledge. As we grow as a community, we are going to grow in knowledge and knowledge of the Son of God. And why is that so important? So that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind and every doctrine, by every scheme that comes uh, around. Knowledge is, is power, isn't it? I mean, lack of knowledge is where the schemers are going to be. Lack of knowledge opens you up to deception. It opens you up as a target to, to schemers to come in and take advantage of you. And I, I, I never really like to, to go buy a car. Because I'm really not a car guy. Just not. I don't know a whole lot. I know enough to get me in trouble usually. I can change the oil. I can rotate my tires. I can do those types of things. Uh, but I'm not really a car guy. And so uh, if I go to, to buy a car, man, especially if I get one of those, those kind of car salesmen who, who like to take advantage of people, and I've met some of those, right? Uh, they could take advantage of me. And so if you don't know about, a lot about a car, you can get taken advantage of very easily. So what do you do? What do I do when I began to look at cars? I began to go, get educated. I began to, to grow my knowledge. I began to do a little research before I go visit the car dealership so that I, can, I, I know, have some knowledge. And as we have knowledge, when we get to know something about the subject in which we're dealing with, then we are less likely to be deceived. You know, there's a lot of church, a lot of people who come into churches and try to deceive the church, and a lot of churches have been led astray. Did you know Mormonism came out of Christianity? Did you know the Jehovah's Witness came out of Christianity? Because a deceiver and a schemer came in and they sold a lie and led a host of folks into error. We have to have knowledge. We have to grow in knowledge. That's one of our chief reasons to be here together, to join together, is to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
grow in our knowledge of God, to grow in the knowledge of what God has for us and how God wants us to live. We have to grow in knowledge. Second, we must grow in stature. Grow in stature. That is in the fullness of Christ. Why are we called Christians? We're called Christians because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And to be a follower of Jesus Christ means that we're, we're looking to Jesus as, as our model. We want to be like Him. We want to grow up to be like Christ. A few years ago, there was an ad campaign, Be Like Mike. It was Gatorade. Be Like Mike. Michael Jordan was the, the big name in basketball. He was a big name everywhere. I mean, really. I mean, he, he, he was just crazy talented, right? A good guy, all around good guy, and, and he was so talented with the ball. And so Gatorade caught a hold of that, and they built that whole ad campaign, Be Like Mike. And there's a little slogan that went with it. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You've got to see that that's how I dream to be. I dream, I move, I dream, I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. All the kids wanted to be like Mike. Now think about that. To be like Mike, you have to get in the game, don't you? You can say, I want to be like Mike all day long, but if you do nothing but sit at home and watch Mike on TV, you're not going to be like Mike. Mike worked to get where he was. He worked hard to, to get where he was. If you want to be like Mike, you've got to get in the game. If you want to be like Christ, you've got to get in the game. You've got to work at it. We are fighting old bodies of flesh that, that want to lead us down another path away from Christ. We got to work at it. We got to struggle against the body. We got to struggle against our flesh. We got to keep our focus on Jesus. And, dear friends, it's hard to do that on our own. You can't grow as a Christian sitting at home alone. Even watching that preacher on TV, as good as that preacher on TV might be, as good as Jeremiah, Dr. Jeremiah is, you will not grow to the fullness of Christ sitting at home watching Dr. Jeremiah preach on TV. You've got to be in church. You've got to be with people. You've got to be in community. You've got to be with those who will love you and say, you're kind of messing up here. Can I help you? Can I help you get on track? You've got to be in community with others. Genuine community is a, a growing community. And so if you're in community, you will be growing. You will be growing to become more like Christ. Genuine community is marked by genuine Christian growth. Are you growing as a Christian? Genuine Christian community... Is marked by genuine love, genuine unity, mutual service, and Christian growth. When our techno, 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 technological, those big words always mess me up. In our technologically advanced world, people are strapped to social media. We're all, I mean, most of us, uh, especially the younger generations, we have a tendency to get strapped to our, our social media, our devices, in search of community. But all the technology in the world doesn't promise and doesn't deliver 
the kind of community that God delivers in the church. We value genuine community because in genuine community, f- people find genuine connection. Today, you may be here and you may be experiencing brokenness. You're, you've come from a broken home. you come from a broken family. You've got broken friendships all around. You're lonely. You want connection. You want, you want friends. You want family to depend upon. You can find genuine community and God's community, the church. Connect with the church. And not just this big body here, right? We, we gather together, 130, 150 in this building, and, and it's hard to connect with 130 folks, but connect to a life group because that's where the body is the body. That's where we get together and we begin to bear one another's burdens and grow together. It's in life group. We've got a life group that will fit you, that you will be comfortable in, that you can find that kind of connection, the connection you're looking for. Get into community. Get into life group. We value genuine community. Now for some... You don't know community because you're still, your relationship with God is still broken. You're still at odds with God. But I want you to know today that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world and to, to live a life for you, to die for you, so that you might be connected back to God and have the relationship with the Heavenly Father that your soul longs for. Before you can connect in the church, you have to connect to God through Jesus. Will you trust in Him? Will you turn to Him today? There's nothing magical about it. There's no five steps to salvation. It's just this one thing. Trust in Jesus. Give your life to Him. And He will give you eternal life with Him and His family, the church. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for the community that You have given us in Christ. Lord, we know we long for community. We long to be in relationships with others. And you've provided that path for us to give us renewed relationships that overcome the brokenness of this world. Oh, Lord, may we get into community. May we get involved. And, Lord, grow us together as your people. Lord, if there's those today who do not know Jesus, Lord, turn their eyes to Jesus. Let them long for him, connect to him, so that they may know your grace and your, your love. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us if you will.